0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back. We're back in the book of Second Chronicles, and uh, we're in chapter 7. Uh, we left off at verse 14. We'll take up there again today. So we are um, looking now at the pinnacle of Solomon in his greatness. Solomon has all wisdom, and we're going to see that he was known all over the world for his wisdom. This, Israel was at the pinnacle of its power Um Israel was richer than any other country. Solomon was respected all over the the known world. And even the Gentiles were coming to acknowledge God. And, uh, you know, McGee made the point that that was God's original purpose, was that the Gentiles would be known uh, to, to, I mean, would know God as well. But um, uh, as... McGee said the the, the the nation Israel was was always looking in. They weren't looking out to spread the news of God. They were looking in to keep God for themselves. But in any event, the purpose that Solomon was supposed to the role he was supposed to play was to build his temple, and he did. And God acknowledged this temple. And we see God acknowledging the temple, but He's saying we're going to see this sort of warning that you know, hey, if you forsake my ways, then this temple is great as you think it is, is just going to be a footnote in history because I'll be abandoning you, you know, because this is how badly you need to, to, um, to, you know, to hold on to me, and so if you abandon me. Uh, You know, you will be abandoned. This temple won't be great anymore. And it's so ironic that this temple was built on Mount Moriah. This is the spot where, you know, uh, Abraham was good and ready to sacrifice Isaac. This was the place where the temple was built on. This was the spot that Christ was crucified at. This spot but the th- the the thing about it is is that the temple eventually gets destroyed because Israel forsakes God Babylonians come in destroy is uh, you know the nation the Assyrians come in first, then the Babylonians come down to Jerusalem, and they eventually take it take Jerusalem prisoner you know the the people. And the temple is eventually destroyed. What we have today is the Mosque of Omar uh, sits, um, because uh, this is it sits right where the temple was built. So people even today go, "Man, what happened to the temple?" And so God's prophecy still holds true. So then we're going to see the. The queen of Sheba comes to visit, and it just represents the important things from God's eyes. As the temple was built, God gives this warning, but God's name is glorified among the nations. And that's what we're supposed to do today. And then we see Solomon pass. So, with that perspective, let's reread verse 14 of chapter 7. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. That's the act of worship, isn't it? With a humble heart and praying and seeking God. Repenting, turning from the ways. God will hear the prayers from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Verse 15, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. In other words, God says, I will hear your prayers. Verse 16, for now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time and as for you if you walk before me as David your father walked doing all doing according to all that i have commanded you and keeping my statutes and rules then i will establish your royal throne as i promised or as i covenanted with david your father saying you shall not like a man to rule israel but here we go with the warning verse 19 if you turn aside and forsake my statutes and my commandments that I have set before you and go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will pluck you up from my land that I have given you and this house that I have consecrated for my name. And I will cast it out of my sight and I will make it a proverb and a byword among all peoples. In other words, I'll make it a footnote in history. Verse 21. And at this house, which was exalted, everyone passing by will be astonished and say, Why has the Lord done thus to this land and to this house? People pass by today and can't believe that that used to be the site where the temple of Solomon, Solomon's temple, David's temple, gods that they built for God used to sit because it was God's temple. Then they will say, because they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought them out of the land of Egypt and lay hold on other gods and worshiped them and served them, therefore he has brought all this disaster on them. They could not stop worshiping these other gods. Now, we come to chapter 8. At the end of 20 years in which Solomon had built the house of the Lord and his own house, Solomon rebuilt the cities that Hiram had given to him and settled the people of Israel in them. Verse 3, And Solomon went to Hamath, Zubah, and took it, which is in the north, um, and he built uh, Tadmor in the wilderness and all the store cities that he built in Hamath. So he built a whole bunch of places. And this um, taking of Hamath was a conquest but God doesn't mention it too much God as Solomon doesn't fight you know too many wars like David did but that was a conquest verse 9 but the people of Israel Solomon but of the people of Israel Solomon made no slaves for his work they were soldiers and his officers the commanders of his chariots and horsemen but Solomon did not enslave the people or anything like that And verse 10, and these were the chief officers of King Solomon, 250 who exercised authority over the people. Verse 11, Solomon brought Pharaoh's daughter up from the city of David to the house that he had built for her and said, My wife shall not live in the house of David, king of Israel, for the places to which the ark of the Lord has become holy. Now, this uh, daughter of Pharaoh... That he um, he had married uh, sealed an alliance with Egypt. In other words, he married Pharaoh's daughter so that he would sort of have a treaty with her. But um, as McGee points out, my study Bible points out that you know she more than likely worshipped other gods, and so we sort see a reference here. And God thinks it's important that she doesn't stay. Um, in the house of David, the king of Israel. he doesn't. She doesn't live there because it's holy. So she lives in her own house. Okay, so we get that. And then we come to chapter 9. We're just dropping down uh, to the high points here. Chapter 9, we see Solomon on all his glory because we get the queen of Sheba, who comes up from the south, Uh, from her kingdom to acknowledge formally Solomon's wisdom and God's glory. Verse 9, excuse me, chapter 9, verse 1, Now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she came to Jerusalem to test him with hard questions, having a very great... uh, uh, Retinue and camels bearing spices and very much gold and precious stones. In other words, McGee says the the three wise men didn't have anything on the Queen of Sheba. I mean, she comes in with a big long train of wealth, and her greatness is on display as well. And when she came to Solomon, she told him all that was on her mind. So she has this official meeting. And Solomon answered all her questions. And there was nothing hidden from Solomon that he could not explain to her. So she's asking all the questions, and Solomon has all the answers. And when the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials and the attendance of his servants and their clothing and his cupbearers and their clothing and his burnt offerings that he offered at the house of the Lord. There was no more breath in her. She was overwhelmed. I mean, even the servants were well taken care of. I mean, and she's looking at the small things. You know, because if you, you can't do the great things great if you don't do the small things great. So, she had nothing else to say. Wisdom, wealth, and everything. everybody was taken care of. Verse 5, And she said to the king, The report was true that I heard in my own land of your words and of your wisdom, but I did not believe the reports until I came, and my own eyes had seen it. It's almost like, Pointing to Christ and His glory. You you hear it is true, but you have to see it sometimes to believe it. You have to see the Word of God. You have to hear the Word of God. You proclaim the Word of God. You know? But remember, Jesus said, Blessed are those who believe without seeing. And behold, half the greatness of your wisdom was not even told to me. You surpass the report. That I heard. In other words, we haven't even seen the glory of Christ. How much more glory are we going to see when we see Christ? And every little thing will be taken care of. He's got far more wisdom. He's got far more wealth and glory. His greatness surpasses everything. Happy are your wives... She even understands that. Happy are these your servants who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. I mean, she says this with an exclamation mark. I mean, that everybody around Solomon was happy. And it's another sort of, it points to Christ. Everyone who's around Christ in his glory will be happy. Christ came the first time as a servant. The second time he returns as king. Blessed be the Lord your God, who is delighted in you and set you on his throne as king for the Lord your God. In other words, he's saying everything that she's saying correctly, everything you've got. We say praise God because he has given you all this. He has set you on this throne. The wealth that you have comes from him. Same thing with us. Anything we have comes from God. When Solomon starts saying, "Oh, I did all this, that's when he falls out of favor." But we don't see that chronicled here in second, chronicled chronicles, because we're getting the important things from God's perspective. And God says rhetorically, everything else it, that's written in the Book of Kings. But for right now, I'm telling you what's important for my eyes. Verse twenty-two. Thus, King Solomon excelled in all the kings all the, excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. And all the kings of the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put into his mind. So it's not just a king of Shigba. He was greater than all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. And all the kings of the earth wanted to come see him, hear his wisdom, which God had put into his mind. So, this was an international king. This was an international kingdom. God is being glorified as an international God. Verse 25, And Solomon had four thousand stalls for horses and chariots, and twelve thousand horsemen whom he stationed in the chariot cities with the king in Jerusalem. Verse 26, And he ruled over all the kings from the Euphrates to the land of the Philistines to the border of Egypt. Verse 27, And the king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stone, and he made cedar as plentiful as the sycamore. And horses were imported for Solomon from Egypt and all the lands. This was the pinnacle of his glory for God, God's glory, the pinnacle of Israel's glory. Now, he was doing things that he wasn't supposed to. He's not supposed to breed horses, but he did. God doesn't condemn it right there. He's permitted it, but he's putting it in there to show that he was not supposed to do that. As McGee teaches, from the Mosaic Law, you're not supposed to breed horses. Maybe that's why you see donkeys all the time in Israel. But in any event, verse uh, 29, Now the rest of the acts of Solomon, from the first to the last, are they not written in the history of Nathan the prophet and in the prophecy of Aijah and the Shilonite and the visions of Ida? Okay. Okay, so it's a rhetorical question. In other words, that was supposed to be as my study Bible points out, the book of Kings. So everything else is written over there. This is the important stuff from God's perspective. Verse 30, Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all Israel 40 years. Verse 31, and Solomon slept with his father and was buried in the city of David. His father and Rehoboam, his son, reigned in his place. So that was it. We don't hear anything else about Solomon's life. It's just the things that brought glory to God. What about us, too? When you think about it, if God was writing a chronicle of your life or my life, man, that might be a short book, huh? Because from God's perspective, he's, he's pointing out, the He's not pointing out the low stuff, all the sinful stuff. He's pointing out what things... If I was to chronicle it, what would you do in your life that brings glory to God? What things have you done in your life that weren't selfish? It's amazing that we get up every day and everything that we do all day long is, you know, self-centered, right? I mean, you go to work to earn money for yourself. You eat for yourself, your interactions with other people. Hopefully make yourself look good. You can talk bad about other people to make yourself look good. Put somebody else down to make yourself go high. Everything is from a perspective of getting positive feedback about yourself. And then you come home at the end of the day and you talk about what you did that day. Was it a good day? That means yourself got your own glory. Was it a bad day? You, you probably uh, got criticized from somebody else and brought you down. Your whole day, from the beginning to the end, is a self-centered day. And if you put a bunch of those days together, 365 of them, and then over the years, what does your life look like? A chronicle of self-centered behavior. And the times that you pray or give glory to God might be just little few seconds in there. Man, it's sobering, isn't it? From God's perspective. The, the, The human things that that uh, God talks about, Solomon died and was buried. That might be, if if we don't do things for God, that might be the book of your, the chronicle of your life. He was born and then he was died and buried because he didn't do anything else. Man, we have to think about that, huh? Do people from other nations know about God because of you? Do people around you Know God because of you, I mean the Queen, the Queen of Sheba, and all these other people knew about God because of Solomon. Can we truly bless God with our lives because of God's wisdom in us? Like Solomon had God's wisdom in him, he didn't. He didn't get all his fame because of his own wisdom. He got it because of God's wisdom in him. We're not going to get anywhere because of our own wisdom. We're going to get places because of God's wisdom in us. We bring glory to God by what we do. If we do, maybe that book of our chronicle might be a little bit longer than he was, or he or she was born and then they died. So we're going to stop here and we're going to take over... Some more kings after this as the book of Chronicles rolls on the story of Israel from God's perspective. So, as always, from me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your hearts centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield. And we'll see you here next time tomorrow as we continue our study. We'll turn the rest of the podcast now over to our co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. Look forward to hearing your study on this today. And as always, our prayers go up for sweet Emma and sweet Jean.